Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's daily podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. My name is Rebecca Chen, and I'm a partner with Ready and Newman. I'll be conducting the conference today. Um, if you haven't already, there is a link in the chat to a Google form for you to fill out your question, and we'll be um, calling on people for their questions in order of uh, they're filling out that form. Uh, Shruti, can you start our first question? Yes, Shailaja. Hi, good evening. Uh, So uh, I have already posted this question in the chat, but uh, let me restate it. So I was terminated from my job and I filed my H1B to H4 change of status, uh, but I have not received the receipt notice yet. And also the chat, uh, the check is not cashed yet. So if I did not receive the receipt notice by 60th day, uh, that is a grace period. uh, Can I continue to stay in the US or should I depart? Uh, Also, I... When does the 60-day grace period expire? It is on Monday. Okay. When was the I-539 delivered to USCIS? 20th July. July 20th. Oh. July 20th. It's July 20th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's been a couple of weeks, more, almost three weeks. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, Is there a way that you can file it online? Uh, No, ma'am. We just tried it, but there was no option uh, for uh, like, no, for H1. So the form has an option for H1B1. We usually recommend that people just select that. H1B1. You are saying H1B1? So you're changing from H1B to H4 status. The drop down Mm -hmm. for your current status, I know it doesn't show H1B, but if you just select H1B1, it for the most part is the same and then attach or upload a copy of your H-1B approval notice, USCIS will be able to tell what your status is from that. Uh, that can would I be find- my recommendation um, okay. because your 60-day grace period ex- is expiring soon. My, It's possible that USCIS is just behind and has not cashed the filing fee check yet, but it is a bit unusual for them to take more than three weeks to cash a filing mm-hmm. fee check. So it's... Okay it's pretty likely that there is something wrong with the application and they are sending it back to you as a rejection. And if that's the case, they don't consider it filed. They won't go by the original July 20th receipt date. Um, It will only be considered filed when you resend it in. And so I would probably recommend filing it online um, at this time. Okay. Can I refile the application, right? I can refile it, right? Yes, if it turns out the first one did get filed and you get another receipt notice, then all you have to do is withdraw one of them. Okay, yeah, thank you. Hi, um, hi, my name is Venkata. So I have um, EAD, I-485 EAD um, expiring in uh, September 2024, but my advance payroll is expiring in November 2023. 
um so uh, can we apply advance payroll and uh, um, 485 ead in one package so that we get um, both as a card instead of separate uh, um, you can separate try um technically it the ead renewal or for the ead or ap the renewal window is 6 months prior to the current expiration date but um i would say it doesn't hurt to try since you have to submit your i5 i131 anyway pretty soon yeah. in order to renew your advanced parole um and there's no filing fee associated with the i131 or i765 so go ahead and try submitting it with the i765 and see if they'll issue it as a combo card it's not guaranteed though okay so i mean uh if i file both my ead is still having uh, more than uh, 13 I think uh, 13 yeah, months now. Yeah, it's still valid, but um oh. yeah. So I mean if I apply now with 13 months before is that okay? Um technically not I, like I said the 6 month window is the renewal mm-hmm. period but sometimes we have experimented and filed the I765 earlier than 6 months. I don't think we've done it as early as 13 months. We've usually tried around like 8 months or so and it's gone through. So that's why I said it's not guaranteed but it doesn't hurt to try. At most they'll, you know, they won't process the I765 but they should still process the I131. Okay, got it. Thank you. Sure. Rahul, Rahul. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah, uh, hi I'm Rahul. So uh, I have my I140 approved uh, and uh, uh, recently I'm planning to change to a different company, okay? With the executive order, I mean, with the talk about executive orders regarding uh, making the priority date as current, I want to check uh, is it advisable to change the company now um i mean i don't think there is any confirmation on an executive order really all it is it's a letter from a group of congressmen making a suggestion to the biden administration um and to our knowledge the administration has not indicated um whether you know anything about whether they're open to that um Personally in my opinion I don't see USCIS doing that making everything current at once because um they as an agency they wouldn't be able to handle the intake um there are definitely other measures that we have suggested to them to move the priority dates forward in a way that is still in line with the law and um would be more possible for them to handle um but there also aren't any you know confirmations on whether or not they will take any of those up um yeah i can't say for sure none of us can predict what ucs is going to do with the priority dates all i can say is that if you do switch employers now and the and your priority date happens to become current in october you know it in order to file your i485 you'll need your previous employer that I'm a 40 petitioner to be willing to sign a J supplement for you. So it's really up to you to determine whether you think the company would be willing to do that if you leave. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Hello. Hey Rebecca, uh, good evening. I'm Alok here. Hey, I just have a question like my 485 is pending and uh my existing advance parole is expiring in october 2 2023 and i have to go to india in november 2023 to attend the marriage of my daughter 
So my question is, I have already applied for advance parole renewal, maybe 90 days back. I'm not maintaining my H-1B anymore. But as a backup plan, my employer has applied for H-1B extension and I got it H-1B with counselor processing. So my question is, if I do not get my advance parole on time, and if I travel to India, go to the consulate, get yeah. my H-1B stamp and come back, I just wanted to make sure it would not have any impact on my existing 485 because I'm not on H-1 when I'm traveling. When did your H-1B I-94 expire? That expired on July 4th. So that is the reason, you know, uh, I got it, the counselor processing. Mm -hmm. I probably would not recommend departing the U.S. unless you have a valid advanced parole in hand. Mm -hmm. um, basically, the rule about, I mean, in general, whenever you have a pending I-485, um, you are not supposed to depart the U.S. unless you have a valid advanced parole in hand. The exception to that is if you are departing and returning in valid H-1B or L status. Um, in this so case, even though you have an H-1B consular processing approval notice, at the time of your departure from the U.S., you are not in H-1B status and you would not have um, a valid advanced parole if your renewal isn't approved by November. So I would say that there is some risk if you um, depart in that situation, there is a risk that USCIS could consider your I-485 abandoned. Oh, so do you think that I should go to like Canada or somewhere? Because my right now my advanced parole is valid till October 2nd. So I can go to Canada, get my H-1B stamp and come back? Yeah, yeah, you can try doing that. Um, if you can get back into H-1B status by traveling to Canada or Mexico, um, while your advanced parole is still valid before October 2nd, then, yes. you know, if you come back into the U.S. and you have an H-1B, um, I mean, you would need to get the visa stamp in Canada or Mexico. So it'll kind of depend on appointment availability. But if you are able to get the visa stamp, come back into the U.S., then you'll get the I-94 from CBP that shows that you're in valid H-1B status. And then that will be fine for you to travel uh, even if you don't have the renewed advanced parole by then. Oh, these rules are really so massive, you know. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do with this case, you know, because I was not maintaining my H1 anymore, you know, because I don't need that, but. <sighs> yeah, the, the problem is really the advanced parole processing times. It's supposed to be within 90 days. Um, it's just the UCIS is not always going according to that. Um, the idea is that you're supposed to be able to get the EAD and AP renewed within 90 days so yep. that, you know, there shouldn't ever be a gap in your EAD or AP validity. Um, yeah. And do you see any, any issue if I go to Canada for stamping? Not if you are departing and coming back before October 2nd. Okay, so they will do that, right? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, the consulate itself won't have any problem with you booking an appointment there. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of finding an available appointment before then. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Mm -hmm. Shady. Hello. Hi. Hey. Uh, so uh, actually me and my wife, we have like H1B and H4 visa. So we will be traveling to uh, Canada through road uh, like uh, in a few weeks. 
and while returning uh, through the rainbow bridge in uh, buffalo right what will be the procedure um, while entering back to the united states uh, okay yeah you would just show um at the border your valid visa stamps and in your case the h1b approval notice that's valid and for your wife she should show your h1b approval notice plus uh your marriage certificate um, and with those, CBP should issue you a new electronic I-94 online that shows the most recent entry. And the end date for both of you should match your H-1B approval notice. So it should be issued until April, 2024. Um, we do recommend that you always check the online I-94 after each entry into the US to make sure CBP issued it correctly. Okay, so approximately how much time we, we need to keep it like two or one hour, two hours? Uh, I would say it shouldn't require um, a particular amount of time. Uh, I'm not that familiar with this particular port of entry. Mm -hmm. um, I might, yeah, give it an additional hour just in case they happen to be very busy that day. Okay. okay. But I mean, if you have the valid visa stamp and the approval notice, the marriage certificate, it should be pretty quick okay okay uh, so i have a quick another question if you have time mm -hmm. uh, so uh, um, i changed my employer and they told they filed my perm um, they confirmed this in the last month but they haven't uh, they are not ready to give any receipt or something so what is the good way to get to make sure it is filed and uh, uh, there isn't really a way that you can confirm independently whether it's filed um even if they gave you the um, ETA case number, it's not like the USCIS website where you can type in the case number on a public facing website and it will show the case status. The only way to check the case status of a pending PERM application is through like a, a portal that can only be accessed by the employer and the attorney. Um, yeah, so at most you can ask them to like maybe send you a screenshot of the portal that shows that it's submitted. Um, but unfortunately, there isn't really an independent way for you personally to confirm that. It will still require the employer to provide you the case number and like a screenshot of the portal that shows its status as like under review with DOL. Okay, so no Freedom of Information Act or anything applicable to Not that we're aware of, not for an I want, not for a perm. Okay. Because that's with the Department of Labor. Okay, good. Yeah, hi. Um, um, I actually work at uh, Company A and um, applied for my HMB decision this year. And I also had a conditional offer letter from company B, uh, conditional that I'll be uh, accepted into the company only if my H-1B gets selected uh, from the company B. And in the first uh, round of the lottery, I got selected from company B, but due to market conditions, I just chose to stick around with my current company A and did not file the petition through B. And in the second round, my H-1B got picked from company A, which is my base company. And I want to file a petition with company A now. In the off chance that um, I'm asked to show proof of offer letter from company B, either during petition filing or visa stamping stage, can this be a concern because it's a conditional offer letter? 
Um, I wouldn't say the fact that it's a conditional offer letter on its own is concerning. Um, how did you come to know about Company B? Um, mostly it's on LinkedIn, uh, like the social media website. Okay. Do you know anyone else who works there at Company B? Um, none of my uh, friends are like in my network. It was just a job offer, job I just applied through LinkedIn. Okay. What type of interview process did you have to go through? Um, it was like a couple of phone screens. Okay. Did you provide them with your resume? Did they talk about like potential client projects? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how long the company has been established? Um, I think since 2004. Okay. Um, okay. If it is an, a genuine company um, with a genuine job offer, then, I mean, all you can provide is your conditional offer letter. I'm just trying to find out if it is um, like one of the many companies that we know that kind of sprouted up just in the last couple of years to in order that were established for the purpose of basically filing additional registrations through the H-1B lottery. Um, because we know there are a lot of companies like that, that were just soliciting people on social media for their passport info and then um, registering them sometimes dozens of times through other companies that they, you know, the same people created or established. Um, so if it is one of those companies, if it fits that kind of profile, then a conditional offer letter isn't going to help anything. They're still going to be on USCIS's target list, and it could be problematic for any future stamping or anything that you file, you know, related to an H-1B. If it is a reputable company that has not been, you know, had any kind of, uh, Suspicion of fraud has not ever filed multiple registrations and is not related to company A in any way, has never coordinated with, they're not even aware of each other. And I think that should be fine. Got but it. it really depends on the, the kind of type of company. Got it. But uh, if the beneficiary is sort of unaware of, you know, potential fraudulent uh, things that company B might have been doing, but if my uh, experience with them was genuine, is there a way that I can justify to the uh, base officer? It's hard to say right now because we haven't dealt with actual cases like that. It's just our, you know, estimate that people are going to be, you know, encounter this at the consulate. That's based on, you know, our prior observation of people having problems at the consulate through their interactions with companies like AZ Tech. Um, you know, that had the kind of fake OPT letters situation. Um, you know, even in that case, since it, it was a fake company that provided fake offer letters, but the beneficiaries were the ones that had trouble at the consulate. Like I said, we haven't seen um, particular cases due to the H-1B registration fraud. Um, we haven't seen particular consequences on employees yet. So we can't really say at this time you know, what documents will work or what arguments will work or what won't. Got it. Thank you so much. Hey, hi. Uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, so I had my H-1B application filed by my current company and a startup that I had interviewed for. Uh, but as part of the startup, I just got the verbal offer at the time when I was filing for 
um, the H1B lottery. Um, as part of the first lottery pick, I was selected through the startup, but um, they eliminated my role because of the market conditions and a lack of funding. So I wasn't I wasn't able to proceed with um, that that particular application. Uh, in the second lottery, I was picked by my current company. Um, and I was wondering whether I should ask um, the startup for um, a written offer letter. Um, and I wanted to know whether that's a sufficient proof of employment. I have along the same lines communication. As, yeah, along the same lines as the previous um, question, we can't say for sure right now what will be sufficient and what won't be, because like I said, we haven't seen um, yet USCIS or the consulates um, inquiring into or, you know, asking specific employees for proof of the job offers and that sort of thing. Right now, the investigations are primarily on the companies. Um, it's just kind of our prediction that there could be um, inquiries into it based on some of the NOIRs we've seen to the companies. But like I said, those are usually in the cases where it's clear that the companies were newly established for the purpose of filing multiple registrations in the lottery. If it was a genuine company with, you know, a genuine job offer, they were not doing multiple registrations. Um, you know, we can't say for sure what will be needed if you will be asked for anything. Um, I mean, you can what you can try to ask for what you can right now from company Y. Uh, yeah, yeah, from company Y yeah. that you mentioned. Um, because if they, you know, are going to be going out of business or bankrupt soon, it may be yeah. a lot more difficult to get documentation from them later if you need it. So you can ask for what you can from them right now. But like I said, we can't say at this time what will be sufficient or what won't. Okay. Uh, but there's no issue contacting them over email or phone, right? Because my uh, my confusion is whether that is a form of like talking to them after the lottery and asking them for a written offer letter when at the point of lottery, I just had a verbal offer letter. Um, that's fine. You can email them to ask. What you can't ask for is anything, you know, the, the creation of any backdated documents that make it look like there was okay. an offer, a written offer in March. So they shouldn't backdate anything or create documents that look like they existed in March. Um, okay. At most, what you can ask for is like confirmation from them that there was a verbal only offer in March. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, thank you. Hi, uh, hey, th thanks for keeping uh, doing this, Rebecca. Uh, yeah, uh, company A actually, my employer filed a green card and uh, it was approved I four eight five. And uh, yeah, I four eight five and company B as my client, they want me to hire. Seems like uh, there's a rule called, is there any rule that I have to stick 180 days after approving the green card? No, so um, you mentioned two weeks ago, your green card was approved, right? Not the yes, filing. Yes. Okay, so yeah, you have the permanent resident card, the one that's yes. valid for 10 years. Right, okay. right, right. No, there is no rule that you have to stay with the I-140 petitioner for a certain amount of time. Um, no, there isn't a rule like that. We know that there is that rumor out there and we're not really sure where yeah, I mean, it like, started. 
yeah but it would be seems like it could be a problem for the naturalization during the citizenship is it true that no we've never seen that be a problem i mean ac21 enables you to leave the i140 petitioner even before you get your green card yes, right, so why right. would it be a problem to leave after you get your green card the green right. card process is based on there being a valid job offer from the I-140 petitioner for at least the first 180 days from the time the I-45 is filed. That's the AC-21 rule. You can leave the I-140 petitioner even before your I-45 is approved. Um, you know, if it's been 180 days since the I-45 was filed, you can move to a completely different company as long as it's the same right. or similar occupation. You right. know, so there's no obligation to remain with the company after the the green card is filed. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, just uh, just to have like a second question, not going to take a longer, just pretty quick. Uh, is it like a, something I mean, like after doing apart from my bona fide job, I, can I do as, as a side hustle, like Uber or something yes. like that? Is it like, yeah. will that be impact on citizenship? Nope. The green card is for unrestricted work authorization. So you can stop working, you can move to any other company, you can move to the client that you were working for, Previously, you can move to part-time, you can drive an Uber, no, I mean like, uh, and do any hustle. combination of those. It's all okay, fine. Okay. okay, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hi, um, thank you. And I'd like to add on to one of the previous questioners there. So uh, I'm assuming you'd have to provide the start date when you file for H-1B, uh, right? Mm -hmm. um, what happens if you uh, don't receive your um, notification from USCIS before? Um, before your start date, can you still go ahead and start based on the fact that, you know, the mail got delivered and you, your FedEx tracking is good? Okay, so this is an H-1B transfer situation, transfer. right? Mm -hmm. Not a um, cap subject no. lottery situation. Okay, yeah, for an H-1B transfer, um, so all that's required is that the application be properly filed and received by USCIS. Um, so the date that you're authorized to start working for the new company is the date on the receipt notice or the start date on the I-129 form, whichever is earlier. So, so if you have had the transfer application filed and it reaches USCIS on August 7th, for example. But if mm -hmm. on the I-129 form, the company listed your start date as August 14th, I think you still need to wait until August 14th to be able mm -hmm. to start because um, yeah, that's the start date that they put. So that's why our office usually for a transfer application, we'll usually list the start date as the day we expect the application to be delivered to USCIS. Mm -hmm. um, even if the plan by the company and the employee is that they might not start until, you know, two weeks from then, if the employee has to give notice at their current company, for example, we'll still list the start date on the I-129 form as the date we expect the H-1B petition to be delivered to USCIS, just to give the company and the employee the option to, you know, start as soon as possible if they want to. So say if I start on 14th of August, uh, even though I don't receive any notification and later on, you know, my H-1B is denied, right? Uh, so the same day my status is gone, right? So what do I have on that particular day? What options do I have on that particular day if my H-1B is denied? 
and I'm already starting to work. If the H-1B transfer has been denied and you've begun working for the new company based on the receipt notice, um, yeah, you could be considered out of status from the day of the denial. You're not out of status dating back to when you started with the company. So you were still authorized to work for the company for like those two weeks or however long it takes for the denial notice to come in. Um, from the date that it is denied, you would be out of status unless you can go back to your previous H-1B employer. If that previous company has not withdrawn your approved H-1B and if it is unexpired and if they're willing to rehire you, technically you could just rejoin that previous company. The previous company would not need to file anything else in order to rehire you if they have not withdrawn the H-1B. Um, I know that's kind of a limited situation because if you've left mm -hmm. the company, it's not easy to you know be rehired back there, but that is technically an option. Um, and then, yeah, from there, your options are, even though you are kind of considered out of status from the date of the denial, there are usually some options that where you may not need to depart the U.S. right away um, if the new company acts quickly enough. So if okay. they know the reason for the denial and it's something that seems like it's fixable, sometimes applications get denied due to officer error. Sometimes really an officer just makes the wrong call. And if it's something that seems like it's officer error, the company, um, if the new company is willing to, they can refile. Um, and if it is refiled pretty quickly and they include kind of an explanation of the, um, the reason for the refiling, most of the time we've seen USCIS go ahead and approve the second application and you wouldn't need to depart the US um, mm -hmm. in the meantime. You could stay in the US but not start working until the second transfer application is filed. So it depends a lot on the reasons for a potential denial. Gotcha. So um, I I'm in a situation where I'd have to file my H-1B transfer and start working in about three weeks now because of my um, you know, grace period ending. Um, but my passport is okay. expired and uh, it's I'm expecting it to take uh, more than three weeks to come. So can I file my H1B transfer with my old passport and do a regular processing now and then, you know, expedite it later when I get my new passport, a premium processing? Yeah, you can try. So your most recent passport is already expired? Already expired. Okay. Um, let's see. So I'm trying to remember in the past if we had, I am pretty sure I have filed an application in that situation also where we were waiting as long as possible for the new passport to come in, but it was clear that it wouldn't be available by the time we had to file the application. Mm -hmm. um, so from my recollection, I think we did file with the expired passport and included an explanation and like proof that the passport renewal was in process. And I believe USCIS um, just like sent an RFE for the renewed passport. And by the time we had to respond to the RFE, the new passport was available and we just responded and it was fine. USCIS approved it. Um, yeah, so you can try that, but make sure that the attorney is aware of the of your current passport not being valid. There's a question on the I-129 form 
that asks, does each person in this petition have a valid passport? So they will need to answer no to that and then include an explanation. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was trying to file regular processing just so that they don't open my file um, before I, you know, have my new passport. I don't think that the regular processing isn't probably isn't necessary um, if you think because if you file in premium, they'll send the RFE probably within the two weeks, but they'll give you three months to provide mm -hmm. the response to the RFE. So as long as you are pretty sure the new passport will arrive within three and a half months, I'd say it should be okay to file in premium, but it's not necessary. Okay. You could file in regular and then upgrade to premium. It would basically have the same effect. Okay. So yeah, that would be the best I could do at this situation, right? There isn't any other better option for me. Probably not besides departing the U.S. and just waiting outside the U.S. for the new passport and then having the company file only at that time. But gotcha. in that situation, you'll need to, you know, go for consular processing and get the visa stamp before coming back in. Thank you. Um, I can take one last question. So uh, I miss, I written that she actually my wife has H1B approved petition. But uh, she went for H4B stamping and in her H4B stamping, she got her H1B petition number and uh, expiry date instead of okay, my I think you asked this question earlier this week, right? Yeah, it was not completed. So that's why I asked. Yeah. So what should I do whether she can come to US and is there any issue with the port of entry? Or... No, I don't think so. Like the H4 visa, the expiration date is... It sounds like it was a typo, right? By the consulate, they accidentally put her H-1B petition details instead of the ones for your H-1B petition. Is that right? Okay, sorry. I don't know if he got dropped or got muted, but... Um, yeah, instead of my H-1B petition, her H-1B petition number and her name was mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said it before, it sounds like a typo by the consulate. You can contact them to see about getting it corrected. But in the meantime, as long as she is coming in while your H-1B is still valid, I don't see... CBP having an issue with it. Okay. okay, so if she comes through H4B, can she have an option to change her status from H4 to H1? Yes. Um, okay, yeah, I think I answered this question before, but if she did not go for H1B stamping, then she cannot change her status in the U.S. if she's not considered counted in the lottery. Okay. Um, if she's not considered counted in the lottery, she did not get the H-1B visa stamp and she has not been in the U.S. before in H-1B status. She's not considered counted in the lottery and she comes here in H-4 status. Um, she can't transfer for to a different company, but her H-1B company that filed for her in the lottery can file a change of status for her from H-4 to H-1B. Um, we'll have to close the conference here for today. Uh, the next one will be on Monday at 3.30 Central Time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day. Thank you.